0: There, but for the grace of God, go I. Have you said something like that when you witness a tragedy or see yourself in someone else's rotten luck? As you pass a wreck on the backed up Mingo Valley Expressway, do you imagine how easily that could have been you or your family? Do you hear about someone caught in a terrible tangle of red tape, maybe identity theft, and you know it could just as easily have been you. There, but for the grace of God, go I. When you hear about divorce, or a layoff, or a fire, there, but for the grace of God, go I. You're uttering a version of humility that British religious reformer John Bradford Supposedly said in 1552, looking out of his cell window in the Tower of London, he saw criminals being marched to their execution. Although he was in prison, not an enviable spot to be in, he was indeed still alive. This month, we looked together at our theme of grace And I've heard concern about the theme from some of you because grace carries a lot of God baggage. Despite the familiar adage, grace and God need not be joined. Grace requires neither an acceptance nor a rejection of God. Instead, grace requires recognizing forces beyond our control. It can puncture our mistaken notions of separation. Grace can do us a great favor and transform us if we let it. Another reason we're studying the word and others is despite their failings, the great words from our religious traditions are not easily replaced. They last because they penetrate into the depth of our collective human experiences. In that depth is where they gain power and wisdom beyond a single age. In that depth is where they're found again by each generation and by each one of us. And grace is such a word. So, let's take a moment to look at the words history. To explain their new religious ideas, the writers of the New Testament borrow a common Greek word, charis, C H A R I S, which means a state of delight or joy. It already has a religious and civic meaning to have favor shown by rulers or gods, but in the New Testament, Caris comes to mean God's unmerited love toward humanity. It becomes a Christian theological statement of God's gift of his human son, Jesus Christ, for transforming the world. Grace implies a singling out by God an undeserved or unexpected gift. Today, one version of grace maintains that Christian worldview where God acts upon the world, granting favor to all humans or a select few humans, depending on the shade of Christian thought. What I'm interested in are other meanings of grace not reserved for the few. This is a universal grace involving human effort and action. It's a profound and useful tool for change. And it's available no matter where we fall on the atheist to theist spectrum. For a definition of grace that is more than gifts, let's turn to the great modern theologian Paul Tillich. He writes, For some, Grace is the willingness of a divine king and father to forgive over and over again the foolishness and weakness of his subjects and children. We must reject such a concept of grace, for it's a merely childish destruction of a human dignity. For others, grace is a magical power in the dark places of the soul but a power without any significance for practical life, quickly vanishing, useless idea. For others, grace is the benevolence that we may find beside the cruelty and destructiveness in life. But then, it does not matter whether we say life goes on or whether we say there is no grace in life. If grace means no more than this, the word should and will Disappear. For other people, grace indicates the gifts that one has received from nature or society and the power to do good things with the help of those gifts. But grace is more than gifts. In grace, something is overcome. Grace occurs in spite of something. Grace occurs in spite of of separation and estrangement. Grace is the reunion of life with life, the reconciliation of the self with itself. Grace is the acceptance of that which is rejected. Grace transforms fate into a meaningful destiny. It changes guilt into confidence and courage. There is something triumphant in the word grace. In spite of the abounding sin, grace abounds much more. To Tillich, and to me, grace is active. Grace is something overcome. Specifically, what's overcome are all the ways we imagine we're separate. All the ways we feel isolated from others, from ourselves and from the untamed forces of the world. Grace can be seen as a boundary between what we're able to control, not much, and all we cannot control, everything else. Once we have a grip on the vast, vastness of all that is beyond our control, we can begin to drop our instantaneous An often rigid opinion, sorting everything into good or bad, these judgments spring from our limited perspectives, from our self-absorbed egos. These conclusions become insurmountable walls within us, unscalable barriers between each other, and impenetrable isolation from the source of creation or what Tillich calls the ground of being. Separating us from the ground of being. Let me tell you two quick stories to illustrate a greater understanding of active grace. Harry, an emergency physician, tells this story. One evening on a shift in a busy emergency room, Harry, an emergency physician, tells a story about a woman who was brought into his emergency department about to give birth. As soon as he examined her, he realized that unless her obstetrician was brought into the emergency department right away, he was going to get to deliver the baby himself. He had barely finished his examination when the head crowned. And with the nurses on either side of him holding the mother's legs on their shoulders, Harry delivered a little girl. She was breathing spontaneously and he felt a familiar sense of satisfaction at his own competence. He laid her along his left forearm with the back of her head in his left hand and began to suction her nose and mouth. Suddenly the infant opened her eyes and looked directly at him. In that instance, Harry realized that he was the first human being this baby girl had ever seen. Deeply moved, he felt his heart go out to her in, in welcome from all people everywhere. And for a moment, he had tears in his eyes. Harry has delivered hundreds of babies He's always enjoyed the challenges of delivery, the excitement of making rapid decisions and feeling his own competency. But he had never before let himself experience the meaning of what he was doing. He feels in a way that this was the first baby he had ever delivered. In the past, he would have been so preoccupied with the technical aspects of the delivery, assessing and responding to needs and dangers, that he doubts he would have noticed the baby open her eyes or have registered what her look meant. He would have been there as a physician, but not as a human being, in the company of another human being. It was now possible to be both. He wonders how many other such moments of connection he would have missed. He suspects there were many. And I think Harry has been struck by the power of grace. After such an experience, we may not be better than before, we may not believe more than before, but everything is transformed. The transformation is the removal of a barrier to feeling separate and alone and estranged. Grace strikes when we see the unity within ourselves, especially within the warring parts of ourselves. Grace strikes when we see the connection between ourselves and our adversaries. Grace reveals beyond dark despair our unbreakable connection to the world at large, to our ground of being. Grace most often strikes when we're in great pain and most restless. It strikes when we feel our separation most profoundly. What happens is an unshakable acceptance of our powers and limits, and immediately we're joined to all people and things, recognizing their same limitations, and yet together we're limitless. Grace is not a theological stance, but a profound acceptance of the mysterious, the mysterious but reliable interdependent web of all existence. Grace is an acceptance of the world as it is. It brings spaciousness to our outlook and gracefulness to our interactions with others. We know we are connected across time and space. So let me tell you a parable about interviewing three stonecutters building a cathedral in the 14th century to explain how grace transforms us by bringing meaning to our lives, like what happened to Harry. Asking one stone cutter what he's doing, the man replies with bitterness that he's cutting stones into blocks, a foot by a foot by three quarters of a foot. With frustration, he describes a life in which he has done this over and over and will continue to do so until he dies. The second stonecutter is also cutting stones into blocks a foot by a foot by three-quarters of a foot. But he replies in a somewhat different way. With warmth, he tells that he's earning a living for his beloved family, that through this work his children have clothes, and food to grow strong. He and his wife have a home which they have filled with love. But it's the third man whose response has been transformed by grace. In a joyous voice, he tells us of the privilege of participating in the building of this great cathedral so strong that it will stand as a holy lighthouse for a thousand years. After grace strikes, the world is never the same. It takes on new meaning, grounded in a timeless view of life where we are all united. It provides motivation. It alters our interactions with each other. It's that aha moment when we know In the ground of our being, we are part of one. I have a personal story of grace striking more than once, spawning unexpected transformations over time. My saga is an accumulation of grace. When I was six years old, my father committed suicide by an aspirin overdose. Alcohol played its role in warping his decision-making process. No one tells me how he dies. That comes later. But at six, I know his death is a tragedy for all concerned. At that time, I understand his death is a separation. Yet, for brief flashes, I recognize in my grade school way, I'm not alone in the loss of a father. I'm struck by what I can now call grace all the times my class sings, my country tis of thee. Always, when we come to the line, land where my fathers died, I feel connected to unknown others in this country who experienced what I recently have. The logic in my heart and head reason, since someone wrote a song everyone can sing, his death is not extraordinary in some way, and that I can survive in some way. Others clearly have. I did not find out my father killed himself until I'm 15. My older brothers essentially blackmail my mother, saying when they come home for the holidays, if she has not told me, they will. A household of secrets is a household of unnamed estrangements. The grace here is my family coming clean with its history, no matter how shameful or frightening Honest reconciliation bridges the gulf of estrangement. The grace is acceptance of each other and my father, despite all the mistakes and misdirection. Over time, I've wrestled with what suicide means. The notion that all suicide is a sin seems far too simplistic and far too judgmental. Suicide can be the opposite of grace, an act based on the mistaken pain belief you're alone. Yet from my current vantage point in life I can imagine situations where killing oneself is a logical response to unbearable emotional or physical pain. It may even be a compassionate act that contains the grace of connection The strike of grace in times of death, no matter the cause, is that death does not sever bonds. Death changes, but does not break the strands within the infinite web of all existence. I could not be a minister or perform memorial services if I did not know that separation by death is never complete. I cannot be standing here without my father. Yes, he provided half of my genetic material. But I mean, I still have a deep connection to him with an ongoing conversation about life and death matters. His suicide has led me to countless books, counselors, articles, and insightful conversations. It's changed me as a parent. It has helped me dig a well of compassion over time for my loss and for others in similar situations or pain. I tell you this personal story because I'm certain each of you have similar strands in your life. We all have ones leading us to fully understand the power of grace. That aha moment. When nothing else makes sense but grace strikes and transforms transforms the moment. Grace transforms when acceptance is the only way through pain. Grace appears in times of seeming separation to reunite us. Grace occurs in spite of separation and estrangement. Grace... Is the reunion of life with life, the reconciliation of the self with itself, grace does us the favor of revealing connections, for life belongs to life, may it be so.